89.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, 97.5 K248BR in Santa Cruz and online at kpfa.org. The time is 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone. Happy. Happy ending, nice and tidy, it's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule, so divide up in darkness from the ones who walk in light light them up boys there's your picture drop the shadows out of This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is April. Oh, God bless it. April, the cruelest month. Oh, it's so lovely outside. It's almost embarrassing. No right to complain when the weather is so, so delightful, as Oscar Wilde would say. Never mind. Let's see, the third, uh, there was many jokes on Sunday, you know, because it was such a serious day, Sunday, 1st of April, but that's April Fool's Day, never mind, never mind, never mind. Uh, I think today I have to do something I've been putting off for months. I have to talk about all this sexual harassment brouhaha. At first I thought, it will go away, been there, done that, deja vu all over again. Way, way back, back, let's see, 1920s, 1920s, Virginia Woolf wrote, We all know, the Times knows, but we pretend we don't. That is to say, denial about male, uh, what do you want to call it, uh, lechery, uh, idiocy, sexist, uh, sexist, oh, what is the word? There's no word that covers it all. It's just this, oh, oppression, right. <laughs> yes. Who gets kicked around? Girls get kicked around. So now we know, I know it all, and hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, I'm so old that, of course, I just, I just growls and grumble every time I, I come up against this wall again, you know, the Me Too movement. The hell with Me Too. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't cover it. Now, what we're talking about is the, oh, the state of woman in Western culture. There's a thousand books, ten thousand books, uh. I don't know anymore what is a feminist point of view. Uh, it's getting harder and harder. The recent brouhaha, of course, deals with situations in which women feel that they have been 
uh, let's say at least humiliated, okay? That's it, that's it. Now, difficulty, of course, is that so many people on the other side say, well, I didn't hurt them, and they just, you know, they ought to put up with free speech or whatever in the hell, you know. The point, of course, is that this is just a, a symptom, an indication of the contempt that uh, women are held in by uh, the whole society, including women. You know how that is. Uh, George Bernard Shaw, he said, uh, yes, he said it's impossible to get women to take off their chains as long as they think the chains are respectable, respectable. You have to do what the other girls do. That gets kind of serious. Anyway, the bottom line is uh, rape and uh, uh, murder, of course. The war on women is, you know, escalates, escalates. You know how that goes. Uh, always busy, 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 but... Some of the worst crimes, like female genital mutilation, which I'll get around to in a minute. These are such ancient, ancient practices that it's almost laughable to talk about ending them. On the other hand, this this does seem to be a new a new spin. I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that it won't go away or that the reaction to it won't be worse than the facts themselves, you know. I used to talk and talk and talk about this with students and uh, even with serious people trying to be journalists there at uh, was it newspaper. I'm looking here. The grassroots newspaper back in the day when I was writing articles about, uh, oh, female genital mutilation and so forth. We're trying to define rape and I got a whole bunch of definitions and... We argued and argued, and, you know, most of the people, women my age, said that they felt that uh, words were not, were not to be, to be, uh, what do you call that, censored or in any way, uh, uh, what is the word for this? Yes, anyway, yes, censored or anyway, uh, altered. Yes, we've got to have a euphemism for that. But anyway, when we got down to the bottom of our definitions of rape, uh, most of the men wanted to define it as uh, penetration. Yes, if there is no penetration, there is no rape. Hang on to that one for a little while. I must say first, before I go any further, that I may use some words today that uh, are inappropriate for children. Some people think, who cares? Uh, you know, uh, just words uh, describing certain parts of genitalia and so on. Uh, uh, none, of, none of the seven naughty words. I'll be careful about that. But here we go. I'm looking here. Uh, years ago, there was a writer called Susan Brown Muller who wrote a book called Against Our Will. And we ran around waving this in the air, saying, here, here, here it is. Here's a definition of rape. Very simple. Uh, of course, you know, we're, we're talking the, uh, uh, <laughs> the business about the two truths about rape, uh, his and hers. But a female, this is Susan Brown Miller in Against Our Will, a female definition of rape can be, um, can be, contained in a single sentence 
if a woman chooses not to have intercourse with a specific man and the man chooses to proceed against her will, that is a criminal act of rape. Through no fault of woman, this is not and uh, never has been the legal definition. The ancient patriarchs who came together to write their early covenants, uh, they used the rape of women to forge their own male power. Uh, I mean, how then could they see rape as a crime of man against woman? Women were wholly owned subsidiaries, not independent beings. Rape could not be envisioned as a matter of female consent or refusal, nor could a definition acceptable to males be based on a male-female understanding of a female's right to her bodily integrity. So rape entered the law through the back door, as it were, as a property crime. A property crime of man against man. Woman, of course, was viewed as the property in question. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Can't ride my mare all, all night and wear her out. Never mind. Uh, mm. Ah, uh, Susan Brown Miller goes on to write of the bride price. Uh, more than what Judas got for Christ, actually, in most cases, about the theft of virginity, crime against the father's property. Uh, mm, yes, Moses' careful neglect of what should have been an essential Tenth Commandment. Thou shalt not rape. Ooh, that's not on the big list, of course. It's tricky, you see. A raped married woman is lawfully, technically, an adulteress. Therefore, she must be stoned to death at the gates of the city. Now, <laughs> all of this was 4,000 years ago, at least when, you know, when it, comes into focus for historians. Uh, we have, of course, grown up some, evolved. Uh, it's only 2,000 years ago we got the New Testament. Christ said, uh, hmm, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Implying that, well, we're none of us perfect after all, and women have feelings too. Uh, <laughs> Beckett, Beckett was asked, Samuel Beckett was asked uh, if he thought that women had souls. And uh, he said, oh, of, of course. And the questioner asked, well, why, to what end? And he said, oh, so that they may be damned. Okay. There are, of course, those few men, those poets and such, who have always believed that women have souls we, of course, don't know what the women in the past believed. Oh, a few, you know, last couple hundred years, we got a glimmer or two, but not until the 20th century did we get the full, full panorama. The Victorian women, I just love them, and they certainly, certainly got us going. Uh, yes, but... The difficulty is that 
uh, the sex business confuses people and uh, we know that rape is a tool of war. It's not about sex precise. Well, it is, of course, but sex is the, what is it, the relationship between man and woman, man and man. It's uh, so difficult to pin it down. Uh, you know, this killer ape evolved and gradually refined his weapons to simple murder, he added torture and terror. An assault on woman's sexuality is an attack on nature, on nature herself. Symbolically, it murders her soul. Socially, it keeps women in an underclass and it degrades the men to whom women, in quotes, belong, belong, right? It's difficult, difficult. The rape of women belonging to the upper or propertied classes, see Helen of Troy, uh, that's uh, an excuse or reason, they call it, an excuse for bloody mayhem among the males. Let's go for the Trojan War. Rape, rape, rape of chattel slaves. That was different here in America a little more than a century ago. Well, on you know, let's see. Let's call it uh, 1865. Uh, 1865, let's say. Uh, there was technically <laughs> freedom for black women, women slaves, uh, uh-huh, let's see. When they were chattel, that is, legally property, the rape of these women, uh, well, that was merely the owner's property right. Body and soul. Now, it's tricky. I dug back into my historical notes, of which I have, oh, gee, Oh, 50 decades. And I I was searching and searching. I just couldn't believe how far back these uh, these articles I wrote on uh, women's sexuality goes all the way back, back, back. And you know how that is. Uh, we look for change, for some progress, but I don't see... I'm looking here at a article in September 1982 written for the grassroots newspaper uh, and I read stuff that hasn't changed a bit let's see 82 more than a quarter of a century ago this was the fact sheet this fact sheet yes it's yes merely a property right to rape a chattel slave at that time, 1982, no white male has ever been executed for the rape of a black woman in the U.S. I wonder if that's still true. I'll look over the last 25 years and see. Anyway, we're still in 18... No, we're in September. September 1982. 82 says here, would you believe this? Just believe this. Uh, 
For every white man convicted of rape, at least four black men are convicted. In our own dark age, the atrophy of feeling so characteristic of these rapists, these male criminals, uh, they rape both women and each other. Uh, they can only be understood, their mores, their thinking. If we look at the gods of our time, what we worship, and that's money and sex, and they are things to be had, to be got. Now, we all act out this myth at some level. Women are trained to be victimized, to be raped by one man and rescued by another. <laughs> some women writers have suggested it's the same guy in any case. This article is interesting. I, I find it amazing. Back in the day, uh, 1982, this is... Uh, this article goes on to describe a group called Men Overcoming Violence. Uh, Dave Anik, A-N-I-C-K. I don't know whether he's still around. Give him a call. Uh, uh, I think, you know, uh, the men's groups did understand then, and I hope they still understand, and I hope that these groups are going on and trying to find a way out. Uh, it is, of course... Uh, a job for males in our society. They are the rapists, and they have to figure out what's going on. Uh, you know, obviously, it's all about the control of female sexuality. That good old, good old uh, guy, uh, I'm forgetting his name, the one that uh, wrote The Mass Psychology of Fascism, he said that the first order of business in any patriarchy is the suppression of sexual need. You got that? Got to get rid of that. Got to get a clean society, you know. Anyway, the state can only maintain control of the people when it controls the means of reproduction. They have to be the boss of it. They have to play God, you know. Now, whether it's forced pregnancy, denials of abortion, clitoridectomy, sterilization, or rape, uh, that's what it's all about. He's the boss of it. A woman has no right to take the power of life and death onto herself. Anyway, this article, I, I got a kick out of it. At the end, I quote from a book, Timothy Beneke's forthcoming book, Male Rage, Men Talk About Rape. Some interesting points there. It asks the revolutionary question, what would women do if there were no rape? <laughs> Ask a woman. Listen to what she says. <laughs> I used to say, men would say, what can I do for the women's movement? And I would always say something Silly, like, uh, go to the nearest woman and surrender. <laughs> yes, just give her your sword. Uh, I didn't get much take on that. Uh, in any case, uh, I'm going through my my most favorite articles on oh, male behavior towards women. Uh, I'm looking... At 
the uh, the articles that I did on female genital mutilation back in the day. I find that to be the worst form of oppression, short of murder, maybe not short of murder. I think of it as soul murder. It's something that oh, I hate talking about. But the other night on the uh, Vice News on uh, HBO, it's HBO channel has an uh, ongoing segment called Vice News. Check it out. I check it out every week at least. Uh, and they had a, a, a short, a short piece on the, let's call it uh, the, the, uh, the hopeful surgeries being done on women who have had this procedure, and of course, well, they cannot. The doctors cannot restore what has been removed. They can make life a little easier. They can uh, lessen the pain of uh, urination and menstruation, you know. Uh, I have to just, just for a minute, I have to run over the the facts about this horrible practice. This is the final torture of women. I, I'm ashamed to say that I did not know anything about it until I was in my late 30s which tells you a lot about denial in our culture. I had heard, uh, you know, a few remarks. I thought it was some tribe up the Gambia. I dismissed it as uh, uh, just, you know, not real or uh, limited to a very small number of people, of course. The estimates now range from 30 million to... 80 million to 100 million going up, going up. It was 1980 when we hit 100 million. Now 130, never mind. Uh, Look it up on the net. There's a lot of books out now. And the hopeful thing is that at least women who have been mutilated are able to go to doctors, uh, in many places, uh, even in the the depths of uh, Islamic societies, they can go to a doctor and get some help. We hope that is the hopeful part. But we have to consider the facts. Consider the facts. Infibulation—that's the most extreme form. That's genital excision. Occurs especially in the Horn of Africa. A book I refer you to, Hanny Lightfoot Klein, K-L-E-I-N. book is Prisoners of Ritual, an Odyssey into Female Genital Circumcision in Africa. Oh, that's 1989 book. She writes in that book, oh, she writes of all the estimates that I just gave you on and on and on. Uh, I think, yes, Fran Hoskin would be the writer that I would pinpoint as the most accurate. She's done the most exhaustive research. She's generally accepted as foremost authority. Once again, that's Fran Hoskin, H-O-S-K-I-N. Uh, now, 
the population growth in Africa is going off the charts. So uh, <laughs> we we can look forward to real real trouble with this issue now. Uh, a female circumcision is not to be acquainted acquainted uh, equated e q u a t e d folks acquainted with the practice as we know it when applied to males. This is uh, brutal mutilation, either modified or extreme. Male circumcision is something else. It does not deal with uh, nerve tissue, uh, with the major nerve tissues. Uh, Now, infibulation, what they call pharaonic circumcision, consists of clitoridectomy, that's removal of the clitoris, yes, we're going to call it clitoris, like the old pronunciation, yes, uh-huh. uh, this is also including the excision, removal of the labia, both labia major and labia minor, both folds of flesh. Now, any raw edges are then sewn together with cat gut or made to adhere to each other by means of thorns. Yes, I always wonder, yes, do we know? Yes, Christ's thorns are worn by women, but it's not the same, not the same place for those thorns. The suturing together is done so that the remaining skin of the labia majora will heal together, form a bridge of scar tissue over the vaginal opening. A small sliver of wood or straw is inserted into the vagina to prevent complete occlusion and leave a tiny passage for urine and for the menstrual flow. Uh, The Greek historian Herodotus mentioned the existence of female circumcision 700 years before Christ was born. The practice arose from patriarchy and that need to control female sexuality. There had to be a guarantee that no strange man's child would inherit property. Thus was patrilineal descent ensured. Women must be virgin until married and chaste ever after. This system created implacable entity towards female sexuality. Now, my first book on this subject was uh, written by Nawal El Sardawe. It's called The Hidden Face of Eve. She explains that the practice of female excision is older than Islam. It is more political than religious. She states that uh, while she is against all such retrograde and cruel practices, it is an error to view these practices in isolation. In The Hidden Face of Eve in 1980, Nawal El-Sadawe writes, Women in Europe and America may not be exposed to surgical removal of the clitoris. Nevertheless, they are victims of cultural and psychological clitoridectomy. Ah, 
quote, lift the chains off my body, put the chains on my mind, said Sigmund Freud, perhaps the most famous of all those men who taught psychological and physiological circumcisions uh, of women when he formulated his theory on the psychic nature of women. He described the clitoris as a male organ and sexual activity related to the clitoris as an infantile phase. And what he maintained that maturity and mental health in a woman required that sexual activity related to the clitoris cease and be transferred to the vagina. (laughs) The hole, yes, the empty hole. I will be back on the air next Tuesday at this same time. I think I'm going to go on from here. (laughs) Sorry about that. Till then, go easy, says Ben Jennifer Stone. Go easy, and if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. From the ones who walk in light, light them up, boy. KPFA turns 69 on April 15th. Every year, listeners ask us, what does KPFA want on its birthday? What we want is for you to become a KPFA ally. An ally is a sustaining member who donates monthly to our independent radio station that lifts the voices of the Bay and speaks truth to power. Why? Because if we can increase our ally membership, we can cut additional days from our fund drives and eventually eliminate one completely. Our birthday present can also be a present for you. Join our birthday membership celebration Friday, April 13th and become an ally or a new member of the Bay Area's truly independent station.